Hello and welcome back to Diary of a Name Dropper, the podcast. I am, I'm always excited, but I'm really excited because I've got a bit of a a girl crush slash marketing crush on my guest today. She is a marketing guru. She's gone viral about three times and uh, she's got a new book out which she's self-published. Can't wait to chat to the one and only, and of course she's a two-lit chick, which you shouldn't say too fast, Julia Boggio. Welcome, Julia, to Diary of a Name Dropper. Diary? I sound just slightly drunk then. I can assure you I'm not. <laughs> hey, why not? Why not? Might make it, you know. I'm only on my fourth cup of Barry's tea, and that is my poison. <laughs> now, I should just explain. We we share a producer. Julia is uh, is one half of Two Lit Chicks, which you really can't be drunk and say. Um, <laughs> and so so we, we've both been giggling a little bit about our pedant producer. <laughs> who's telling me off for being too loud and too boomy but yes we'll come to two lit chicks because I want to discuss it because I think I know you have it's about books that change your life but your podcast changed my life it really did no it really did not just because you keep Jeremy busy I mean that is a (laughs) that is a factor (laughs) and we do we definitely keep him busy But but I want to go back to I mean we met years ago I think um, on a photography um, workshop with Melissa Love. I think you might have been there. Were you there at the... I'm trying to work out how we first originally knew you, but I know you're part of the photography gang yeah, with Melissa. And, and yeah. cause you know, because you know Carrie, who is another Paul Callingbird, who's a photographer. So... Yeah, it's a very small community, a mm. small and tight-knit community. <laughs> a small, incestuous community, which is, ooh, idea for a book. Yeah. Uh, but... You are an internet sensation. If I didn't know you through Mutual Friends, I know you through your viral YouTube video, which I didn't realise was you, and I've watched far <laughs> too many times for my own good. And I remember even saying, God, that husband is so sexy. If my husband is like, I actually did. Like, he's great. He's great. He's a good one. Like, it's yeah. not a goofy dance. It's a proper dance. It's really sexy, and I love it. But should explain... Julia went viral for one of the first ever, I know everyone does it now, but you were the first ever wedding dance kind of thing to yeah. explain what happened. It's brilliant. It, yeah. So we had a whole movie themed wedding. Um, we got married in 2005 and this was kind of pre YouTube times. And so we had a whole movie themed wedding. So, you know, I walked down the aisle to how do you solve a problem like Maria? And we walked back out to the Indiana Jones theme tune. You oh, know, I love it. Starting a new adventure. Uh, all on a string quartet. We like to keep it very classy. Um, and then we thought, well, what should we do for our first dance? And, you know, we, we did a lot of Amdram at the time. So we knew a lot of people with the skills to teach us a first dance. So we decided to challenge ourselves and we decided to do the dance from Dirty Dancing. And so we asked our friend Stuart to choreograph it for us. And so, you know, he did. He, is he a dancer? I'm he assuming. Is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. wasn't like a random guest at the no, wedding. No, no, no. He's, <laughs> he's a very good dancer and a great director as well. And so, uh, so, yeah, he taught us the dance. And then we asked a few of our friends to get involved to be like, you know, like in the movie, the, the people who, who start dancing with Johnny. And we had a few rehearsals and... <laughs> 
and uh, we realized very quickly that James would not be able to lift me on his own. So we had some of our strongest, gayest friends help lift me into the air. <laughs> strongest, gayest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, strong in uh, their gayness or their physical strength i want to know always <laughs> okay, and always right. <laughs> strong and gay and proud and uh yeah so they they helped lift me into the air and you know we, it was hard to keep it secret you know so <laughs> finally the day came around and uh and we were all there and in, in uh barry we got married in barry at a little castle so very uh what was the name of that show gavin and stacy oh did know, you so. what barry island no, it wasn't in on Berry Island, but it was near there. Oh so my, it was a, oh, it's beautiful around there. Yeah, it was gorgeous. It was a place called Fonman Castle. And, you know, after the wedding dance went viral, they sent us some champagne because they were like, we have been inundated with inquiries. And oh, <laughs> so amazing. I think we helped put them on the map where it came to wedding. Oh, think wedding of that weddings. missed opportunity of influencing that you could have oh, actually no. been paid for that PR. I know. That was way before that time. Way before that time. Oh, that's brilliant. So, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so we did it. And, you know, the guests all loved it and, and whatnot. But then it, we just sat on it for two years. Uh, because, of course, we... we filmed it properly because at the time my husband was uh, dabbling in the film and TV sort of industry. So uh, he filmed it properly, edited it together, and then we just had it, you know, sitting on our drives. And then YouTube comes along and we're like, ah, should we just put it on so that our friends in America can see it? And um, so we did, we put it up and the very next day we have a call from the Metro uh, saying, oh, we've seen your dance and we'd like to interview you for the, for the paper. And so we're like, oh, that's fun. We had like 200 views at the time. And we're like, yeah, let's do it. So we got interviewed. And then next morning, my husband went to get on the tube. And there were no metros because they were all gone. And he was sitting there with his times. And he looks over and he sees the woman next to him reading the metro. And she's reading an article about us. And we thought (gasps) it would be like a column inch. And it was an entire page, the entire like page three. I'm a page three girl now, I guess. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so there's a huge picture of us and whatnot. And so he looks at her and he goes, can I can I swap papers with you? And she's like, okay, why? And he's like, because that's me. And she's like, oh my God. <laughs> and so he got off at the next stop and he called me to tell me. And I was like, whoa, forget about that Richard and Judy have been on the phone oh, uh, and they want us to come on there tomorrow so I mean and then it just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed and we went on Sky News we were on BBC uh, you know pretty much everywhere and we were in newspapers all over the world in all kinds of languages when we were in Australia um, we were there on our honeymoon uh, you know we went on a very late honeymoon and a friend of ours worked in media and so she told the local um, station so we were on you know sunrise tv with koshi and i can't remember the other lady's name but yeah no it, was, it just went on and on and so then we got we decided oh let's let's go take get away for a while let's go to greece have a little holiday so we fly to greece and we get off the plane and i turn my phone on and there's a message and i listen to it and it's the oprah winfrey show shut up <laughs> Oh my God. I know. And so, you know, I call them back and they're like, yeah, we're doing a whole show on YouTube next week. Oprah's just discovered it. And we wanted, you know, they were having the the people who started YouTube on and, and P Diddy was doing something and they had Paul Potts. And uh, if you remember him. Yeah. And uh, and a skateboarding dog who's probably now passed away. But um, yeah, so... <laughs> We, we, we went, they flew us out so to... So they, they flew, you, they, they paid flew us, yeah. and everything. Yeah, they paid, flew us out to Chicago. And my parents no. also came out from uh, Virginia. 
and uh, they were in the audience and so they kept saying to us oh just learn half the dance just learn the first half of the dance and we're thinking why do you want us to just learn the first half of the dance that's not even the best half uh you know and so we did and then you know she calls us up on stage and you know, she's like, yeah, talking to us for a bit. And then she's like, but we want to see the dance. So we start dancing and the audience is politely clapping along because we are not the most amazing dancers. So, you know, <laughs> we can, we learned a dance. I think that's mean. I think oh, you're both well. actually very good. <laughs> Thank you. You're so You keep coming. your chin up. That's we a good do, thing. Yes, yes. That's the first rule of dance. Keep your chin. Yeah, keep your chin up and keep a smile on your face. Yeah. So we, uh, audience is politely clapping along and suddenly, you know, they start going crazy. And I just think, to myself god we're not that good and i look over my husband's shoulder and i see patrick swayze walking towards us oh my god oh Oh, yeah that's that's pretty much how i felt and uh, he taps my husband on the shoulder and he's like can i cut in and oh my my god i've actually gone a bit sweaty (laughs) i pushed my husband out of the way i bet you did yes take me i'm yours (laughs) and uh and so he takes me in his arms it's very strong what did he smell like amazing oh i don't yeah he just he smelled good he he was just like patrick swayze he was patrick smelled like a patrick swayze in a bottle you know and um the 80s oh man (laughs) and so he starts throwing me around and whatnot and and then my husband doesn't like to be left out of the fun so he runs across the stage and he yells at patrick he goes patrick let's do the lift and he literally launches all 12 stone of himself at Patrick Swayze. Oh, <laughs> and Patrick, no. and they do kind of like a little mini lift or whatnot. So but Patrick was, lifted your husband, not you? Yeah. Oh, no, that's yeah. brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. So, oh, my God. Yeah. And I mean, so so how many hits had you got by this point? And then did you upload your Oprah Winfrey onto the YouTube channel? And did you sort of keep it going, the momentum going? Or? Yeah, yeah. So we, I think around this time, we got to around 10 million hits oh, after being on Oprah. You cannot pay, you cannot pay for that kind of publicity. Well, you can't, especially because I was working as a wedding photographer at the time. I mean, come on. You know, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I know you are a marketing guru and we will, co- we will come to that. But this is insane. This is like, this is just... Yeah, it was it was very good for business. Yes. (laughs) Wow. I was very good at wiggling into conversations like when because, of course, after Oprah, we were on another round of uh, couches to sit on. So, you know, again, we went back on BBC Breakfast and all kinds of stuff. And um, and so, yeah, I managed to get into all the conversations and I'm a wedding photographer. (laughs) Amazing. So we can. We can view all these and what we'll do is we'll put all the links in the show notes because I think people have to see what we're talking about. We're not just talking about a little sort of wedding dance. This is a fully orchestrated. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, because it started a worldwide trend in, in exactly choreographed first dances. And uh, it was around the same time that that thriller dance came out. So it was kind of the two of us um, who, who started it. And yeah, it just kind of it went from there. Oh, I mean, absolutely brilliant. So you're working as a wedding photographer. You're picking up, you're picking up loads of work off the back mm-hmm. of it, which is amazing. You are a brilliant marketeer. I have to say, I love everything you do. I mean, when you, well, I should then say, you then came into our lives, into mm-hmm. uh, Jeremy's life, uh, because you decided to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. So what made you decide you wanted to do a podcast? Because it is a brilliant podcast. 
Um, well, so I was a photographer for about 15 years and then I was ready for a change because I think for me personally, uh, 15 years is a long time <laughs> to do yeah, one job. Yeah. And I was getting tired of the hustle. You know, it is a really hard job. I had... A Brazil is awful. Well, I wasn't doing brides at that. I stopped shooting weddings in around 2012. Oh, okay. But I was running uh, one of London's, uh, or if not London's top uh, portrait studio. And so I was working with very uh, wealthy people, you know, minor foreign royalty, celebrities, all this kind of stuff. And uh, I, did, I think I just got worn down. I was tired. Yeah. And so I thought, I'm ready for my next stage. And, you know, before going into photography, I had been a copywriter, an advertising copywriter. And I always knew that I wanted to write books. And I thought, you know what, I think I'm at that stage now. I mean, God knows I had enough great material from 15 years as a wedding photographer yeah, yeah. You know, with the people I was working with. So, um, so I decided that it was time to flex my writing muscle. And so over the pandemic, uh, so just before the pandemic, I closed down my photography business, which turned out to be amazing timing. And uh, I started working on my first book. And uh, it's a book called Shooters. So it's about wedding photographers. And so I, I worked on that all over the pandemic. And then afterwards, uh, it took a few years. And then I was ready to you know, start sending it out to publishers. And you know, I got an agent, all that sort of stuff. And uh, how did you I, get an agent, though? I mean, that's that in itself is not just something to say, oh, and I got an agent. I mean, that's brilliant. <laughs> you got an agent. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, it was it was good. I um I did a course. So over the pandemic, I did a course with Curtis Brown Creative. Right. Yeah. And they, uh, they're, you know, one of the top agencies in the country. Yeah, they are. And they run some brilliant courses for writers. So if you, you know, anything that you want to write, they've got a course for it. And so I was on this six month selective course uh, with 15, there were 15 of us. And we became very close you know, over the pandemic, we, you know, just over over Zoom and whatnot. You know, we, we, none of us actually saw each other face to face until much afterwards. And, uh, you know, so one, one of the ladies that I became friendly with was uh, Jen Hyatt. And we were both sort of on submission around the same time. And we thought, Oh, I skipped the bit about the agent. Sorry, I'll go back to that. That's okay. That's okay. Agent. So on the back of that course, she she worked for um, one of the sister agencies of Curtis Brown. And uh, she read some of my stuff while I was on the course. And she liked it. And so when I was ready, oh, she fantastic. Uh, you know, took me on. But I did have offers from, from a couple agents. But she was the one that I, I, I kind of clicked with the best. And um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I met Jen Hyatt while I was on this course. We were on on submission at the same time, which is when your agent has sent your manuscript out to publishers and you're basically waiting for one of them to pick it up off their desk and read it. So just to just to be just to ask a question. So do you, yeah. you, you obviously need an agent to get published, but for self-publishing, which we'll come to, you don't need an agent. Am I right? You don't. You don't. You don't necessarily need an agent to go traditional. Either. Oh, really? You can oh, okay. work directly with publishers, and sometimes publishers do put calls out for it's people to submit for them, to them. Surely, yeah. But for you, direct. as a as but as a as a writer, it's good to know that somebody is checking over your contracts yeah. and you know, negotiating and you know you know looking out for you. And also, they would handle things like foreign rights and film oh, rights okay. and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So. Um, so yeah, they, they they can be handy. I think you know if you can get one, I think that it's it's a handy thing to have. And yes, they take twenty percent, but it's worth you know, it. Yeah. Um, 
so so yeah so while our books were on submission jen and i were like well let's let's do something because we are not women who like to sit around and wait and so we came up with this idea of starting a podcast and we called it two lit chicks and we got together one weekend in edinburgh and we uh wrote the theme song and we uh got a recommendation from melissa love for a producer and so we got in contact with jeremy and we had some calls with him and by the end of that weekend you know we had, we had a theme tune. We you know had our first guest booked. We had everything ready to go, and uh, and so yeah, Two Lit Chicks was born. And it has just gone from strength to strength. I mean, first up, your branding it just jumps. You are a genius, Julia. You, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you, you I know that you've written this book that's amazing, and you've done all. The, but your marketing is. I'm in awe of you and I one day want to have a consultant with, you know, I want to sit with you and ask you a million questions because I just think you're so brilliant. You just seem to know when the time is right. I don't know whether that's an American thing. When we were in New York, the way people sort of received us was completely different to the way the Brits received what I do. Mm. Um and I do think Americans value creativity a bit more. I always mm. feel like I'm justifying my work and because people can't, often see what goes in behind mm. you know a photo shoot or, yeah. or things like that it, it's really hard and I had oh, this, hard I had this conversation with this morning with you know someone s- slightly different generation who maybe doesn't appreciate what I do and was just asking and it's like this is this is my this is my job you know mm. you know, you're, I, you, I, I'm not just someone to sort of phone and it's really hard to be taken seriously and I think you come across with your branding and everything like a serious professional getter I mean it's just superb it really is I love it and the thing I love about your podcast the most is it got me reading again oh that's good um, I lost I've got ADHD so mm. it, to get into doing anything is quite difficult but then when I'm into it once I'm into it I can stay in it for hours and I just needed that sort of it was sort of a a, a push it, it mm. ignited my interest in books but also there was an, a degree of fomo mm. because i thought i want to be part of this conversation i want to know what they're talking about with their books um so i started reading the books you were talking about and you've now got i mean the authors you've had on mm. i mean yeah we aimed high <laughs> bloody hell i mean <sighs> I, I, i'm terrible with authors names but i know books and yeah. um yeah, list, tell tell us some of the authors you've had on because everyone needs to go and check out the episodes. It's incredible. So we early on we had uh, Ju- Julie Cohen was our first guest and she was great because she you know, she can talk about books all day and she was just a fantastic uh, person to chat with. But soon after that we had Bonnie Garmis. On. I mean, come on. <laughs> and she's yeah you know, she's still hot property. She's she's fantastic. Uh, you know she wrote Lessons in Chemistry, which is a book that has been winning awards and breaking records and all kinds of stuff. And it's it's about to be a TV show as well. So uh, so it was really great to get her sort of early on wow. in, that, in that process. And then we spoke with Claire Fuller, who's who was the last Costa Nobel Prize winner because they're no bitter longer Bitter Orange, doing it. am I right? Yeah, Bitter Orange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and who else? Uh, Nikki May, who wrote Wahala, which is also going to be turned into a TV show. Uh, and yeah, it's chocolate. Just, who's yeah, the, chocolate? Joanne Harris. Jo- Joanne. Yeah. Ha- jo- jo- yeah. Joanne Harris. <laughs> like you know, come. Yeah. That's a film. I mean, I it's know. and you've and, and 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 the guy that wrote bloody Karate Kid, wasn't it? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, he just yeah. kind of casually mentioned that he wrote other things as well. And it's like Jeremy gets to edit. I mean, you, you the beauty of of 
our lovely studio is that you can interview people in New York and um you're not you're based in London you're from New York but you're based in London yeah I'm from New Jersey yeah but I've been I'm a Sopranos to, fan I hey bada bing <laughs> <laughs> that's what I used to sound like before bada London bing. smoothed my out- accent out really were you <laughs> not, not New that, Jersey I wasn't that strong like I, I I definitely had more of a twang to my voice I, I love I it pronounce my t's now which uh, I didn't use to oh I love it yeah you kind of say d instead of t as well <laughs> yeah, don't you yeah 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 Americans. oh very, are you Italian as well yes yes yeah, so I'm half Italian yep Gotcha. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I'm Northern Italian, so obviously, you know. Oh, like my family. Yeah. Where are you from? Because uh, my cousin Jack, who was my first episode, yeah, uh, is from Genoa. His dad okay. was from Genoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Portofino uh, and... Yeah, of course. My, my father's from Torino, so oh, not far, not not far from far. there. And it's a really great different. city. Yeah. Yes. Isn't it extraordinary how the North is so different from the South? It's so completely different. I mean, it's unbelievable. I genuinely got quite a shock um, because I've always grown up around Northern Italians. I lived in Switzerland for a while. We used to go to Lugano or we'd Mm. go to sort of over to, you know, Milan or Genoa and stuff like that. So I've never really been down to the beautiful South, which is incredibly beautiful. Oh, amazing. Um, But it's so different. I mean, it's it's the North is it's it's almost... um, reverse to the uk whereas the north yeah it, yeah like i'm trying to be really diplomatic here but i'm sure southern italian but naples is the wild west let's be yeah, honest yeah 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 well and and you know i just read the godfather for the podcast with, with fonda oh, lee wow. so that was very oh, like wow getting into into all that but yeah no it's um it's it's it, they are very very different but i i do absolutely love the north and i love the mountains and yeah, you've got everything in the north. You've got the yeah. sea, you've got the mountains yeah. and the amazing food and the vineyards. And I mean, it's just like... And you have got Portofino, which is... Portofino I'm, is amazing. Oh my God, yeah. I love it so much. And I, mean, I was lucky because I've got cousins who live just outside of Venice. So oh. I used to... Like, I've been to Venice more times than I can count on my on my two hands. Oh, it's, um, I've never been. Oh my God, it's great. I think you have to apply for like a, a tourist visa or something. Like they're selling tickets now to go because they got so overwhelmed by tourism. Wow. Um, that I think you actually have to kind of like really plan your trip now. So it's... Uh, well, my yeah, name drop is that Jack sang with Kylie Minogue at the Tetro Ve- de Venezia. Oh, nice, So nice. I, I probably ashamed myself um, <laughs> with that accent. So we'll move on quickly. But going back to your podcast. Yeah. Um, I... I was completely reignited and got reading over summer and it was brilliant and I'd listen to your podcast and then I'd read a book and then I'd find the book you were talking about and it I felt like I was part of a community and certainly you know during things like lockdown that's just beautiful and mm. and wonderful to have that mm. um I was then asked to come on and do a little snippet with you for Christmas <laughs> and yes, was asked are. about <laughs> books that changed my life um one of the books I mentioned was um, Skin to State, which yes. is Cash Which is Carraway. still on my TBR pile. <laughs> right. Well, Cash Carraway, hopefully, is going to come on on this podcast. Oh, yeah, And fantastic. then you can have her. Yeah, pass her over. <laughs> or we can share her. I don't know. We could do like a, ju- a, a double whammy. Why but not? I don't know if you're watching um, Rain Dogs on TV, which is a sort... It's written by Cash Carraway with Daisy May Cooper. And it's a... It's, I'd say, ooh, I haven't finished it yet and I don't want to do any spoilers, but I'd say it's a, it's a sort of, it's the, it takes part of Skin to State. So it takes mm. the sort of latter part of Skin to State. 
absolutely brilliant, loving it, highly recommended. So we've got to definitely do something with Cash Caraway. But the other book I spoke about, which changed my life, was Jilly Cooper Riders. And you were ecstatic (laughs) about that because Shooters is basically what Jilly Cooper did to the world of show jumping and then later the opera scene. Mm. You've kind of done to wedding photography. Yeah, you so, knew it was so sexy. It's so se- <laughs> I, I did. Oh, come on. I've known wedding photographers who have literally got more debauched lives than Ollie Reed. <laughs> I mean, some weddings you go to, and if you're going to big weddings where there's a lot of money and a lot of glamour and sometimes, you know, a lot of class A's. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. But you know, it's funny. So like in the beginning, on the first page of my book, I, I say, you know, oh God, these these photography conventions are a hotbed of sexual activity. And so many people were like, are they? But then somebody pulled me aside recently at, when I was at a photography convention. They're like, yeah, you know, the one in Malta, everybody was bed hopping. And I'm like, whoa, really? Really? <laughs> cool. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. Crazy times. God, So tell us about Shooters. I mean, you you tell us about how you published it and then where you're at with it and where where it's going to potentially go because I can see a TV Netflix thing and I've had authors on who I've said this about and they have subsequently gone on to mm. have TV stuff. My dear, most beautiful, brilliant friend MG Leonard. Mm-hmm. who you must have on. She's amazing. We were roomies in the 90s and she started off with Beetle Boy and, um, well, I mean, it's Twitch and 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 she, the last interview we did together is in talks with Netflix. So wow. it happens. It happens. Yeah. It does. It does. And I know my agent has had some inquiries uh, from film and TV, but it's, really? it's such a, yeah. Oh, but, oh, just slip that in. Yeah, <laughs> but it's such a long process. I can't even get excited about it. Okay. You know, because oh it's so, I it's such a, a long bit. process <laughs> and uh, nothing, yeah, nothing is, has happened yet. Yeah, and and my, my husband worked in film and TV for a while. We actually made a film called All Bar Love, which I wrote, which oh, you'll wow. never see. You'll okay. never see it because, okay. uh, well, maybe, maybe if we put it up on Vimeo or something and, and send it out. But um, it, it kind of, it had a distribution deal and all kinds of stuff. But then the crash happened in what, 2008? Was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the distributor went out of business, and so the oh, only gosh, people who, Vimeo, of course. Yeah, I know. Yes. I, th- I thought we could just we can just stick it up on there. I'm like, I'm like it's a fun little rom com. It's it's not the most amazing thing you'll ever see, but it's comparable to some of the ones that Netflix has been churning out. So, and did you produce you know. it or act yeah, yeah. or direct everything? Yeah. So my my I didn't. My husband and I were in a small cameo in the background, um, but uh, my husband directed it. And uh, his friend Obbs produced it wow. and because Obbs had worked on Lord of the Rings and had lots of film and TV experience. So, oh, but yeah, wow. it's, but yeah, it's, it was a, another part of the, my life. But There's what nothing it did you haven't me. actually done, is there? <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, what, what, my, what it did show me is how tough the film and TV industry is. So, yeah. you know, like I said, I'm not getting excited. Okay, well, we'll come, we'll, we'll, I'll have you back on when you, you're like, you know, you've got your second series on, on Netflix. <laughs> but going back to Shooters, yeah, you, yeah. you had a bestseller and you yeah. did that 
on your own. You self-published, didn't you? What what did. what led you to that decision and 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 what subsequently the success? So I made that decision uh, because I didn't have any other choice. <laughs> no, that's not true. I, obviously, there are always choices. Um, but so my agent sent it out to all the publishers and they came back with great feedback saying, yeah, we love this book. Um, really great, but we're not going to take it. And, you know, there were a couple of reasons. One was, oh, we already have a wedding themed rom-com on our lists and they can be very... Oh, I guess I guess obviously all wedding rom-coms are the same yeah. in, in their minds, you know, and the fact that this one, you know, like like something like the love hypothesis, which is all written by a scientist about science, you know, this uh, Shooters is a book about wedding photography written by a ex-wedding photographer, you know, so yeah, it's brilliant. written from a place of truth and knowledge. Yeah. And and I think that authenticity comes as well. Yes, exactly. I, you know? I mean, people we're so lacking in integrity and authenticity often, certainly on social media. Mm. And I think the fact that you've been there and done it, and this comes from your your experience with a little bit of your sort of magic in it. <laughs> I think it, I think that's what's so lovely. It's great to know that actually, shit, did that. I love it when you kind of go, shit, did that happen? Or who, who's that meant to be? <laughs> yeah, everybody in the Based photography industry life. is like, oh, I think I know who that is. Yeah. And- <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, well, Melissa Love shot my wedding. uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, did she? Well, Binky Nixon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. Shot it. uh, with. Well, actually, it was Sally Forder, who is her assistant, who was her first ever solo shoot. And then Mel, Uh um, second shot, because she was a guest. Right. But she offered. And it was wonderful to have. And this is the thing, you know, people, again, I was talking about don't value creativity and probably just think, oh, all wedding photographers are the same. I mean, the fact that my photos from... Sally compared to Melissa's equally incredible, but so different. So different. There's so, so many different, different styles. You've out really there. got to look at a photographer's work and decide oh, yeah. do I like this whole look? Because I hate anything yeah. that looks like it's been too edited. Or some photographers do that really, they really get the definition up. Yeah. And I hate yeah. it. It looks like a sort of everyone looks dirty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they take all the contrast out and not the contrast, they take all the the saturation down and it yeah. I, I hate that I know it yeah. looks lovely on social media and if you want to you know curate your pages um you know that that's that's a look you can go for but yeah I think also being mindful of not dating your wedding photography yeah I think classic is is sort mm. of best yeah. yeah and um you know, it's, 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 people need to be careful when choosing their wedding photographer because it's actually one of the longest relationships you have yeah and they've got to come anybody. to a wedding yeah. Yeah, they got to come to your wedding. And then and then, you know, if you have children, you often will go back to this person. Yeah. You know, so it's it's not just one thing. It's, you know, so it's really important to make sure that you you get on with the person. And we're digressing. Yeah. And I've only we got are, you for but... a short time because you're so busy probably off to do something else that will go viral. Something but... fabulous, not really. So you, but, you, you yeah. they, they were saying no. And and the other reason I think I heard you t- saying on Women's Hour with uh, yeah. uh, um, on, uh, on Radio 4 yeah. with Anita Rani, you were saying that one of the reasons as well, which really sucks, and I know this has happened to a lot of people and so much talent slips through the net, mm. um, you didn't have enough Instagram followers. Well, it wasn't Instagram. It was TikTok that they were. Oh, actually, you see, I yeah. won't even, I, I, I will not do it. I, I've yeah. tried and I, well, and now all this hoo-ha with the Chinese, I'm frightened of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I am not a conspiracy theorist, but I, I, I don't know. I, I. I'm on there. I'm on there because and your you know, as your an TikToks author, are brilliant. 
Thank you. <laughs> if only anybody ever saw them because TikTok doesn't but show this them is to it. anybody. So this is what I mean. Talent gets hidden. So even if you are on TikTok, you know, I just I hate the fact that it is down to followers, especially when so many people are buying followers at the moment yeah, as well. Yeah, no, exactly. That's should, there should a be problem. a disclaimer. I think influencers should say they should own up to filters and followers. Yeah. How many, I, I really do, and I think that will have to come because a lot of businesses mm. invest mm, in these, yeah. in, you know, in, into these influencers thinking, oh, you know, they've got 120,000 followers, brilliant, they'll shift a t-shirt and you send them a t-shirt yeah. and it bombs and you've lost 30 quid yeah. and you realise that, well, their interaction was absolutely shit. Is that because they've bought followers, you know, and yeah. and engagement, you know, that's what we should be looking at. But anyway, I, I, that's something that I really get on my high horse about. But No, you should. <laughs> I just think I'm so glad you didn't let that put you off. Yeah, I don't take no very well. Good. Uh, so, that's the New Jersey in you, isn't <laughs> that's it? That's the New Jersey, yeah. <laughs> and so I said, you know, okay, fine, I'll do this myself. I mean, I've got a degree in marketing and I, you know, was a, in advertising. I had my own business for 15 years. I can, I can market a book. And so I did. And I chatted to my agent and she said, she gave me her blessing and, and off I went. And I feel like I've done like a, an, an, a master's degree in publishing since then. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause there's lots of little decisions you need to make and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, so I, I decided to launch the book at the, conference where I first of all had the idea for the book and second of all start the book out so the the book actually starts out at a fictional version so you did full circle love this yeah and so you know they gave me a table and it was great and um so I wanted I, I chose this date for launching the book and I wanted to give myself sort of the debut that I always wanted I didn't I didn't want it to just be like just happened and that was it so I created some fanfare around it and I looked at as a woman does, I looked at what I had in my toolkit and it was uh, no money. And yep. but I had a fat contact list of amazing photographers from around the world. So I reached out to them and I asked if they would take a photograph of themselves reading shooters. And so they did that. And uh, I was like praying. I was like, oh, God, please, I hope that they understand the brief that I'm not talking like iPhone photos here. And so they started rolling in and, and I was quickly you know, um, quite confident that this was going to work because <laughs> the photos were amazing. I mean, they gave yeah, me tens of thousands of pounds I mean, worth of, of photography, commercial wow. photography for free, you know. And, um, and yeah, so then I was orchestrating everything via a secret Facebook group. So I was telling them, okay, so this is what we need to do at 8 a.m. on March 14th. We're all going to go live with these photos and <gasps> da, da, da. And we just, we did. And we just like, if you were a social photographer and you didn't see something about shooters in your feed on March 14th, then um, you obviously weren't on Facebook yeah. or Instagram. Oh, yeah. um, oh wow. Yeah, so it was... Almost good. like a sort of um, flash mob. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was, yeah. But And I had a street Literally. team. Yeah, <laughs> it was exactly like that. You know, so I, I, had, I had a street team of people that I had organized through social media. So uh, it's something that a lot of independent authors do is you just get people to help you promote stuff. Oh. So, you know, in the in the 10 day run up to it, I had them retweeting things for me and putting things on their stories and whatnot. So just, you know, raising raising the profile of my account on the algorithm. 
And then on the day, of course, you know, I had them just everything just blasted at the at all that content uh, that was put up. So brilliant, and it works. Absolutely you know? genius. Yeah, I mean, this is just so clever. You should. I almost feel as as a social media person myself I almost feel like we're giving away <laughs> really good advice yeah, for free I know I know I should I should uh, do a course on this yes uh, yeah. no genuinely I mean uh, it well one thing I'm really delighted about is that you've now agreed to become a full calling bird Oh yeah, definitely. And we will, we are going, we've been, we've, our, our WhatsApp group is alive with things that we want that get on our tits. I promise there's too many things, <laughs> too many so things. Much. But it's great yeah. because we can, we can do it all. And there's so much that we want to talk about. And I know a lot of it is um, we want to talk about social media and yeah. how hard it is, but also lots of things you're so passionate about a lot and you're so educated on everything. And I just think you're going to be such a brilliant oh, bird, a panelist. I should, I'm not calling you a bird. I don't, I just, you know, like that. I should just say the bird, the full calling birds have always been the birds, whatever, whatever gender they are. And um, this time round, this season, we've got a load, haven't we? Which yeah. we're going to be trying yeah. really, really unsuccessfully. <laughs> I'm sure, to yeah. Form a rotor. To, to, yeah, I know. We're it, like I said, it's, it's trying to herd cats, trying to get us. It all. is, it is, it is, and we're all menopausal and what have you. But I know uh, that you are hopefully going to be able to pass on your experience and and your kind yeah, of your of everything with regards to marketing because so many people have just been fascinated. By what I've honestly, it's been brilliant to watch, and I have to say, there was one video you did, and I want to ask you how you did it mm-hmm. because using artwork comes with licensing and copywriting. You did, and I want everyone to check this out a video of a woman, mm-hmm. and I think it ends up you, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and it's it's through the ages, but they're yeah. all we're holding a copy of your book, yeah, yeah, so. Just that, that mm-hmm. that's obviously different artwork. Did you commission an artist or did you find artwork? I mean, how, like the well, idea of that is so genius I know people. In itself. I know I mean, people. Is it really? Is this just <laughs> delving into your contacts? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a guy named David Sheldrick and he wow, used to work okay. for me a long time ago. And then, um, you know, our paths keep crossing because he opened up a studio in Wimbledon around the time when I closed down my physical studio and was taking it, you know, it, it was 2016, I closed it down and and uh, started renting space instead of having my own because, you know, overheads were high. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we just keep, uh, you know, our, our paths keep crossing. And I saw some amazing stuff that he was putting up uh, with dancing and, you know, the costumes changing and through the ages and whatnot. And I just said, could you do something like that for me? And uh, he said, yeah, <laughs> leave it with me. What? And, uh, and he did. So all those images are created in AI. Oh. And then, yeah, it's all, it's all AI video. So, I, I mean... That's... I mean, the future of AI, I mean, there's there's reasons I hate it. Uh, mm. Being made redundant uh, and replaced by AI is obviously a big fear in social yeah, media. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also know of a radio station where one of the guys who runs it is so toxic to women, they only have AI women, which is another episode. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, really? But, yeah, I mean, there's so much you can do with AI and people just don't realise. They're like, but I don't want to talk to a robot. It's like, you won't even know. That's the yeah, that's so this thing. is so so AI is obviously means it's it's license free artwork or yeah it's all wow. license free it's because it's all created by the 
by the tech. Wow. And uh, I yeah. want to love it, but it frightens me. <laughs> it does. It does. It's it's interesting, though, because I look at people like David and what they're doing with AI. So I think that, I mean, you know, it's here. It's not going to go away. And I think that as creatives, now we need to learn how to harness it and use it for our own yeah, benefit yeah. and create Not new let it eat us it. up. Exactly. exactly. Get on the pony. Exactly. You know, yeah. So um, it'll be interesting. And, and I say that until AI starts starts writing fiction books, then I'm going to be cursing yeah. it. To oh, the, well, I mean, if that's you know, the thing we talk about on authenticity and buying from people. And I think mm. I, I need to I do need to know who I'm like. It matters to me who's written the book and what experience yeah. they have and how much of it is true. And I love true true crime stuff on Netflix anyway. So it has to be real stuff. I don't yeah. want robot stuff. It just and I hate sci-fi and anything like that. But whatever you've done, it's paid off because your book is a bestseller. Yeah. So when I did the marketing campaign, it got to number one in America, in uh, satire, and number one in Canada in. Uh, pop culture or something and then in the uk that is it got, mental yeah it, it, it was great but and then in in um the u.s yeah, sorry uk it got to number 16 in rom-coms which I is mean, really what, competitive it's probably the most yeah. saturated market yeah it's pretty saturated but now that now is the hard part now i'm learning how to do all the maintenance marketing uh which i again don't know how to do uh for books so i'm again on that learning curve and Dipping my toe into Facebook advertising. Right. And yes, you've done just, a video on that. Yeah, that that's my frustration coming out. But, you know, it's funny because I've been at it for a week. I've been learning. And now I've finally found an ad that I'm getting loads of clicks. Really? Uh, but, but yeah, but now they're not... They're not buying when they get through to the page. So now I'm looking at the page going, okay, what's standing in their way? So yeah, you I'm need to look at the conversion there. rate, don't you? And all that, yeah, that yeah. technical stuff. Yeah, stuff that I don't like. Because yeah. like you, and I'm pretty sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm undiagnosed ADHD. So yeah, I think all, all that kind of are. stuff. Yeah, it's not, this is not my forte, this bit, but I'm doing it because I have to, so. I, it's, it's interesting you say that. I speak to so many people who kind of pretty much think and know themselves enough and aren't mm. aren't people to kind of just jump on a band and go oh I think I've got ADHD actual people who are incredibly creative and incredibly successful but have always just struggled with neurotypical stuff as you like yeah. that, stuff that we just assume people might be good at or enjoy I, I mean I can't do admin or any kind of data or anything like that but just give me something creative to do and I can do it for mm hours and for yeah. years that was deemed as well that's not a skill set that's just messing around but now we have got a world that you know is a lot more creative people can take control of their careers and also so many people are being diagnosed with ADHD that we're yeah. understanding it and one thing that my consultant said to me was the diagnosis is 80% of the like treatment slash cure because you just have to relook at everything differently it's mm. really weird you, yeah I, sh I you're the same age as me and to find out that for nearly half a century we've been we I've always known mm. that something's off yeah I've always felt like the wrong puzzle piece in a box or mm. and now it just makes sense and it's that almost that closure and that acceptance and to know yeah. that you're not a complete dickhead that doesn't listen <laughs> But in a way, I also feel like it's it's my superpower. Yeah. Oh, um, completely. 100%. I always say it's an explanation, not an excuse, because I yeah. will never excuse myself now. No. It's, it, it, you know, I, I don't think that it would 
you know, surprise any of my friends to learn that I'm neurodivergent. <laughs> you know, because like I get that hyper focus. You know, yeah. I have it with the book. I had it with my photography, and and all kind of, when I want something, I figure out how to get it, and that is. 100% my superpower. Yeah, and it's that obsession, that yeah. obsessive behaviour, which people in the past used to say, oh, she's got such an obsessive personality, or even I was mm. diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. And sent to a clinic and sent to therapy. Yeah. And I kind of, I knew, but I knew that my obsessions were changing constantly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny, the misdiagnosis. I was listening oh. to Women's Hour the other day and um, there was an athlete who had been misdiagnosed bipolar and she had autism. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, well, they think yeah. I might have autism. Well, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You I'm, can't... Not, I'm not saying anything at this point. <laughs> Ari myself, but um Well, my yeah. father is um I would say undiagnosed and we can't we can't say Asperger's anymore. No, it's, no, yeah, um, that's a terribly high high functioning autism high, is the Yeah, but he's a surgeon. He's a veterinary surgeon, but yeah. I mean has no social skills, can't make eye contact, <laughs> has no friends really. Yeah. I know that sounds terrible. A mm. few uni friends from the back in the day. But I mean, hyperfocuses has obsessions and only eats certain type of food. I mean, mm. how? Yeah. Yet we'd all just go, oh no, he's not because he's a surgeon and gets paid loads of money. And it's that understanding now. And I know there's the Good Doctor, which is an American series, which is yeah. highlighting that people really can have high functioning jobs with autism. Yeah. But even for me as a woman, I still struggle with accepting I might be autistic because for me, autism is still Rain Man. Yeah. I know. Who I know. had talents and a gift. Yeah. But that's that that's the media portraying something. Of course it is. You know? Of course it is. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm in, the, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. Well, I, I would suggest when it, all, when, when it all dies down with your book, which I don't see it happening, <laughs> actually, which is a great hyper-focus, but I would definitely, you know, have a, have a little, maybe go and <sighs> have a check, see, because you just do yeah. a form originally. Mine yeah, was so okay. batshit crazy and I filled it out wrong, which I think was probably like <laughs> part of the test. <laughs> Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't read the instructions. Only read what I wanted to read. You know that. Kind yeah. Of thing. Oh, that reminds me of this. Like when I was, I think it was like fifth or sixth grade. We were given this math test, and she said to us, "You've got to read through the entire test first before you take it." And but I was like, "I'm not reading this test. I know all the answers. I'm just going to do this test." Wow. And I started doing yeah. it. Do all the answers. Get to the last question. Last thing on the page is, "Don't do this test. Just put your pencil down." Oh, well, uh, my mother, my <laughs> mother used to be a group manager of re-employment in, yeah. in, the, in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And one of her things with me, obviously now we understand ADHD. I mean, she's so neurotypical, it's ridiculous. So she used to say to me, you never listen, you never read instructions properly. And she used to constantly tell me of this story, how she had a, um, a, a huge enrolment of temps come in or wanting to be part of re-employment. I mean, this was back in the day where people were literally fighting to get yeah. into recruitment agencies and what have you. And exactly that. She said, you all need to read the thing. And But the, 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 the twist was after question five, get up and hand your hand yeah. your thing in and yeah. there were people even though there were people getting up there were still people sat there thinking god that person's done their test quick and you know yeah and it was like it immediately <laughs> sorted the wheat from the chaff which is terrible because an ad- as yeah. an ADHD I would have failed miserably and they would yeah. never have seen my creative genius <laughs> exactly exactly so but but the it, the world is made for neurotypicals yeah you know? 100% so 
you know. Yeah, screw them. Fuck them. Let's just create <laughs> our own community and just get self-published. So so what's next? You've got four calling birds. You've, you've got this sort of maintaining marketing now, which I don't envy you for. Another yeah. book? Have you got another no, book in you? Yeah, book two. It's already about... 70% written, I'd say. And I, I just need to get back to it. I need to park the marketing for a bit and really go back and finish yeah. it because it's coming out in September slash August. Really? Uh, so you have to give yourself a, a, a you a have deadline. to do that. Well, it's for fans as well, because, you know, I've got people reading shooters now and they're contacting me going, uh, when's the next one coming out? Because which is great. It's yeah, great. But also it's like pressure to be like, okay, gosh, okay, I need to get this one out there. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and it's it's called uh, Chasing the Light, and uh, yeah, it'll, it'll and be, it's a uh, sequel. It's a sequel, yeah, and I'll be doing the cover reveal uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks. By the time this goes out, it'll probably already be up there. But and your main protagonist is she is 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 she based on you? <laughs> They're all based on. So this is the thing. Like every character has me in them. Okay. Because we're as people, we have so many sides to ourselves. You know, so there's a little bit of me in everybody um and so yeah i mean francesca march is uh the uh the heroine in this one and she actually has um she suffers from polycystic ovaries fibroids and endometriosis and that's been kind of inspired by my best friend sarah who also has all these things and um Oh, yeah, that, I think that's, that's story, yeah, yeah. That, to put things that are relatable that happen to real people again, you know, mm. AI's never going to be able to do that, Julia. No, Come exactly. on, think Screw positive. They, they won't know. <laughs> they won't know about your friends' things, no. you know. So, that, mm. I mean, so we've got more of two chit, two, well, God, you see, you can't, I can't even say it's sober. <laughs> we've got more of two lit chicks, I hope. Yeah, coming in May, so mid-May, I think. Who have you got coming up? One. We've got LJ Ross, who's like one of the self-publishing superstars. Like if I can get to her level. I actually had a fight with my husband the other day, and I'll probably say this to her on the podcast as well, because her husband does all like the Facebook advertising and all that stuff for her. And I'm like, why can't you yeah. be like LJ Ross's yeah. husband? All you did is fucking lifted Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, no, but she's she's coming on. I'm really excited about that chat. And we've got um, uh, Richard Swan, who is a major fantasy writer who um, Ed will uh, fawn all over. Yeah, we should and, mention uh, Ed is now. So Jen Jen did one season and then... Uh, yeah, she did one and a half, one, mostly two, se- most of two seasons. Right. And now you've got Ed. Yeah. Which is hysterical. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Honorary love- chick. I love your. I, I lo- well, we've had you know male birds, um, but um, your chemistry is gold. Oh, thank you. I really enjoy it. <laughs> I really, really enjoy it. It's yeah. just, it's magical. It really is. And the book bites is that is that something that runs along in in between seasons or as a tag along? So, or- yeah, we started doing them um, because I went to a podcasting uh, event and they were talking about short content and how, you know, short content is really in like five minute snippets, 10 minute, you know, nothing too long mm. uh, that people can sort of snack on. And, uh, and it's also a good way to start getting more people into your into your podcast and so we started doing them and we did the quiz on friday so i do book quizzes on fridays as well and yeah it's 
definitely expanded our audience and you know zoomed our our downloads right up the charts so yeah your downloads have been I mean I can't give away any trade secrets and that's because <laughs> I don't know them but I know occasionally from your producer's face yeah uh yeah. the downloads are insane and I mean it's a really well received podcast you guys have absolutely smashed it and now I need ma- a sponsor <laughs> Yeah, you really no, you really, really do. And I'm I mean, I'm always haggling for Barry's tea to sponsor mine. Oh, they, they should. Yeah. I drink think they all should. that tea. Yeah. I drink and I literally if people come to see me, I give them a box of Barry's as a sort of take home present. So yeah, they should. You I go. hope you're listening, Barry's. But what would be your dream we'll we we'll have to end this on well no, I want to ask one more question. Okay. Sorry. Go on. Listeners can properly get involved now, can't they, with, with two lit chicks? Yes. So we're going to be setting up a uh, system where they can call in and leave their the book that changed their lives, a little snippet about it. We used to run it at the end of the program, but I think we're going to start trying to incorporate it more into the interview with the main guests. So so that's going to be coming so soon. So you can discuss Thanks it. Thanks for the reminder. The, yeah. So you can discuss <laughs> it with the, with the so, the, so uh, someone from, you know, like Meredith from Tring yeah. can send in a voice note yeah. and then an actual famous author could hear that and just and, and have an opinion on my on my book that changed my life yeah <gasps> why not sounds fun doesn't it <laughs> oh my god yeah so yeah, then we're no, gonna put right. that in we're gonna try it out in season i can't season wait four. for that yeah. that's going to be brilliant and so you've got to go you're very busy you've got a book what who would be your dream sponsors let's try and because you you create magic julia and i have no doubt that you will get a sponsor so if anyone's listening let's hope they are yeah (laughs) who would be the dream sponsor for two lit chicks oh gosh i don't know yeah i've I've thought about this question but i haven't really come up with an answer but um like my my mind goes all over i'm like oh ikea could be and then we could like talk about bookshelves and i'm talking that because we've just had loads of bookshelves come into the house because we just moved um but i don't know i don't know like somebody who does like beautiful paper products or Mm. notebooks or something like that because that's something i love but really i'm not picky so <laughs> anyone will take your money. We'll take your money. Yeah. I mean, we saw how quickly you shoved your husband off the stage. Just to... <laughs> she's really not big. That's you guys. my, that's my hyper focus. Right <laughs> Providing there. the money is right. Yeah. She'll take it. No, yeah. I mean, in all honesty, and we do joke, you know, you wouldn't take anyone sort of fascist no. or right wing. No, uh, gosh, no. Uh, no so no. yeah, yeah. GB news need not apply. No, exactly. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Julia, this has been, I could actually chat to you for hours. You're just brilliant. And I think you're, you're such an inspiration. The way you, as well with, you know, the way you've come from a podcast to an author to going on Woman's Hour, you, the way you broadcast is so beautiful. You're such a professional. And I just, I'm so grateful to have you on here, but also as a bird on Four Calling Birds. Thank you so bloody much is all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Julia, for joining me today. And also to you, the listeners who make this all possible by keeping me going with your love and your support and your downloads and your shares. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and you will find everything in the show notes so you can stalk Julia and look at the magic she has made. Thank you very much, and I will see you next time. Diary of a Name Dropper is lovingly produced by Your Voice Here. Need a podcast? You need Your Voice Here. Jeremy, cut it out!